What is up, guys? Welcome to the Snaggle Show. I am, of course, your host, Christian, a.k.a. Snaggle J, and what a shitty-ass week it has been for trying to get content done. I had an episode done for Monday, uh, and then when I was listening to the playback, it was all messed up. I didn't have time to re-record it at that time. I re-recorded it on Tuesday and was having some mic problems, so I said, screw it. Uh, I put a poll up on Twitter with two possibilities for wrestling matches that I wanted to do a wrestling watch-along for this episode. Now my WWE Network, which is getting revamped, uh, won't cooperate. So WWE Network in Canada works a little different. We don't just buy it from WWE, we buy it from our service provider, so then I can get it on TV, and then I get access to the uh, web-based version as well. Usually there is a, like, there's a sign-in partner page um, that we have, and I can't get it to load. So I can't get in to uh, watch what won the poll, which was the main event of WWE's uh, Invasion pay-per-view from 2001. So I decided to dig back in the archives, so I'm going to air an interview that I did previously. Uh, Now this is a little over a year ago uh, with Rich Grisham, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Out of the Park Developments. Um, You can follow him on Twitter, at Rich Grisham. It was a great interview, it was a lot of fun to sit down with him and just shoot the shit about a lot of stuff. Uh, We had recently got back, or we were about to go to PAX. Um, and we had some exciting things on the horizon at OTP, uh, and it was a great interview, so we're going to go dig back into the archives uh, for this episode, and then I'll be back on Monday with some brand new fresh stuff. One thing I will mention, guys, uh, I did an appearance on Cooperstown Kurt's podcast earlier this week, The Rain Delay, on an exclusive episode for his Patreon and Twitch subscribers. Uh, If you don't listen to The Rain Delay, head over to therainedelay.com. Check it out. I always love doing, uh, always love doing content with Coop. Uh, we're, we're very similar people, so it's always a great time uh, when we get together talking about wrestling, baseball, baseball video games, knuckleballers, OTP. Uh, it was a great episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, head over to therandelay.com, subscribe to his podcast, check it out. Uh, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. And like I said, I, I you know, he's a great guy, great show. Uh, But without further ado, I will give you, uh, from the archives, uh, this is Rich Grisham. I'm very excited this evening. We're going to be talking about all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to be talking about Out of the Park Baseball. We're going to be talking about MLB The Show. We're going to be talking about next week's gigantic PAX East extravaganza in Boston, Massachusetts. And we're going to talk about all of those things with my special guest today, the one, the only... Richard Grisham. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Happy Easter. Yes. Hello, everybody. Happy Easter. Glad to be here, man. Happy fun. Easter. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, they, uh, we had some, Coop got some rave reviews last week, but I said, you know, I said, listen, it's, I said, nothing's going to match the clout that Rich brings to the show. Oh, boy. Last time I checked, over 90 years of experience in the gaming industry. I, That's I, I, true. I had, I, I had my team fact check that. Um, yeah, they're, they're well, they're on top of their game, because if you put all the different parts of the industry together, you might actually come up with a number like that. Yeah, so, obviously. Well, well many, done by the Snaggle I team. Many overlapping periods. Obviously, chat, I was not insinuating that Rich was 90 years old. Come on. You guys know me. I would never do that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about all kinds of fun stuff tonight. Uh, Rich and I are very, very excited. Uh, we have a, a huge huge week ahead um for out of the park developments and for indie gaming in general uh but we're going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later um so rich kind of what we did last week and and i want to continue the theme is you know tell me like how 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 did you originally like what is your history in in video games well it starts at the beginning of video games and i'm not even joking right uh leading right into the whole old thing but you know, I started playing video games really whenever I could. When I was a little kid, we couldn't afford a video game system because just like today, they're very expensive. But my buddy, Steve, dad was a doctor. They had an Atari 2600. And whenever I would go over to his house, all I would want to do was, was be able to play it. Any moment I could get with it was just like gold and you know he's sometimes like okay sure and other times like nah you know let's you know play pool or ping pong i'm like no dude video games 
So anyway, long story short, I've been around since the beginning. You know, as I got older and I was able to, you know, dedicate my disposable income choices on my own, you know, I picked up what systems I could here and there, had the NES, had the Genesis, had, uh, you know, various other systems. There was a while when I was just basically PlayStation. I think I went, I think I went NES, uh, Genesis, then I think I went PlayStation. And then once the sort of the PS2 generation, really when the Xbox, the original yep. Xbox hit, yep. was when I sort of, from that point on, I pretty much had every system that's come out after that. Yep. So that's a long, boring history, uh, but that's my that's my background in video games as far as yeah. what I played and when. Well, it's kind of funny because I have the exact same systems parallel. My, the first video game I ever played was on an Atari 5200. Um, and then I had I went NES, Genesis, PlayStation, and I, okay. I, I remember the ridicule that I faced Uh-oh. from from being a Genesis kid, and, and it's it's hilarious because for me being a Genesis kid is one of my proudest like not achievements, but like it's like a badge I wear with honor that I was a Genesis kid, right? Like sure, because like like up here especially like Super Nintendo was was everything. It's what everybody had. I never had one. See, ne- never you know, own one. I didn't. I I still don't technically own a Super Nintendo. I, I have an I SNES have one. Classic. I, I have, have an, the SNES Classic. Yeah. So I have a like an original 001 model Super Nintendo. It's not mine, uh, but I have one, and I do have an SNES Classic. And you know what? There is a like a metric ton of Super Nintendo games that I would list like if in my top 25 games of all time. My I'm on record many times as saying one of my favorite games like top two for sure is super Mario um, RPG legend of the seven stars. I mean, that's one of my favorite, but you know what? As a kid, I never played it a lot. I didn't own it. So I, I love being a Genesis kid. I rented the super Nintendo when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Cause I could not afford to buy one, Yeah, but there were these video rental stores that the one, and this was when I was an RA in college, so this is early 90s, rented a Super Nintendo, and for the most part, all I played for the better part of the two weeks that I had that thing was SimCity. Uh, that oh. game consumed me for about two weeks of my life in ways that, that few, few video games ha- ever did. So I have played the Super Nintendo, but I never did own the system. I still have a Sim Ant cartridge for Super Nintendo. Not ashamed to admit it either. Well done. <laughs> it's, well done. A, it's a fantastic, I don't fantastic think I game, by the way. Sim Golf is probably one of my favorite low-key golf games that I've ever played to. I remember when I my first year of university, I picked up a pack of like like the Sim pack. There was like Sim Golf and a bunch of other dumb ones in it. Uh and like it was like a Sim City 2000 and then a bunch of other Sim games that never Yeah. Played. And Sim Golf for me became like like unbelievable. And it's kind of funny because I know you're a big Golf Story fan. Oh yeah. As we get towards current day, Golf Story for like just uh, for some reason when I look at the visuals of Golf Story it triggers Sim Golf in my head totally separate games but it's just very similar like very kind of retro 2D-ish sort of thing so so you have this this love of video games so when did you decide to say hey like I love games I, I want to talk about games I want to mm-hmm. take take my love of games to you know to outside to other people so kind of how did that come about and when did you kind of realize that that was something that you had an interest in it was whenever and this is when you know i can't tell you the years really yeah but you know it should be easy to sort of trace whenever you know one up was big when that got big is when i dove in and meaning that you know i got to really like some of the personalities people that i know now uh, you know, back then, people like Todd Zaniga, yep. people like Chris Johnston, people like, you know, all, all the all the one up people. Right. And then mm-hmm. one up yours and stuff like that whole era uh, sort of made me want to participate. And because you could because of the Internet, I, I did, you know, and I, I, I wrote. Well, I mean, the big break, so, so to speak, was when I went to E3. And again, I don't know exactly what year, but it was it was before. You know, we're talking probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago at some point. And I uh, and um, I met 
up with somebody accidentally on one of the shuttles from the hotel to the the conference center, and uh, we struck up a conversation. He, my buddy, and and this fella, um, and then we wound up just like you know becoming fast friends and went out, you know, had uh, drinks and dinner that night. And next day I got to hang out with him at E3. It went from being sort of just one of the people with a badge to somebody with somebody with a press badge, which meant all of a sudden I went from just sort of standing in line looking at boring demos <laughs> to behind the scenes, literally yeah. the next day in air conditioned booths talking to the developers who made the games. It was like, ding, ding, ding. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, and that, that got me, um, and in six to 12 months later, when that guy whose name is Michael Rapara, who remains a friend of mine to this day, started, uh, he, he got a job at Games Radar. And then he brought me in uh, to uh, be able to, um, uh, he brought me in to uh, start doing reviews for Games Radar. And uh, I got the chance to do one. And it was for a sports game. It was, I think, a Tiger Woods game. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of steadily got the gig after that. So one up made me sort of want to participate and then going to E3 and then having a chance meeting uh, with somebody gave me the opportunity to start writing reviews. And that was sort of my my door, my uh, my door in. It's it's kind of funny how and I mean, you know, real life is kind of similar, but it's kind of funny how the video game industry, so many people's stories on how they got involved with not just playing games usually results in some sort of, hey, I was in the right place, right time, or I had a chance thing. But it still comes back to the fact that you, you had a passion and, and, you know, same as like, like, I, you know, I've told the story many times about how I got to, you know, work for, for out of the park baseball, just kind of a kind of a chance fluke thing. Not that I didn't have the passion for it, but just, you know, you work and you grind and you have, you have, you let your passion out. And then all of a sudden the right person sees it or the right amount of effort goes into it. And the next thing, you know, it's like, Hey, okay, I really enjoy doing this. And next thing, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're talking to these people, you're talking to those people. And it's, it kind of just doesn't spiral out of control, but it becomes just like where video games are now part of your more so a part of your everyday life than they were before, because not only are you thinking of them in terms of playing them, but you're thinking of them in terms of creativity or like, how can I pull the next review together? Or, Hey, I really like this feature in this game. I should write about it because I want people to know like what I think. And then all of a sudden you're, that's it. You're in the industry then. And it's it's a combination of opportunity then making something of it, right? So mm -hmm. there, it, it's a really unique world that we live in that you can do that. You know, we have the tools available to us on the internet to to you know take advantage of being able to write, being able to make uh, you know podcasts and videos and all that. So yeah, you know, you get an opportunity and you can make some of your opportunities, and others sort of just happen. But either way, like you said, it's about when you get that opportunity, what 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 do you do with it? Yeah. And and I wrote, I don't know how many reviews I wrote for over 10 years for Games Radar and a bunch of other places. So I turned that into that, which then, of course, you know, led to the opportunity with Out of the Park Developments. Yeah. Well, so let's talk. So which comes first, the Press Row podcast or the Out of the Park Developments? Oh, the Press Row podcast Press, is way yeah. before. Yeah. And in fact, that was sort of a uh, that was the um spiritual successor to the fourth string podcast which was on the one up network yep. back then todd zaniga and greg ford and uh brian intahar and several others were on that show it was you know a a podcast devoted to sports video games the sports games guys sports anomaly is actually what it was mm -hmm. uh, before it became fourth string was the original incarnation and it was just like amazing that these people made this podcast about sports video games right it was just like this this unique thing and i you know through you know the internet and twitter and facebook or whatever it was back then you know would connect with those guys and eventually um you know let them know hey i'm you know doing all these reviews for these for games radar um you know just and eventually sort of got my way on the show and uh sort of stuck around and then when um when fourth street went up the sports anomaly became four string and then four string sort of eventually uh, wound down because Todd Zaniga was off, you know, traveling the world with literary deathmatch and making books, which he's in fact, his book is getting released, just got released this week. I then sort of had the opportunity or took the opportunity, pitch games radar on doing a sports video game 
podcast. And they said, sure. And that was a show called Box Score, which was me basically doing interviews with developers and occasionally writers. Mm -hmm. And then that ran for a couple of years. And then they said, okay, you know, we're going to, they, they had, they continue to have a lot of changes uh, over at future. Yep. And they basically just said, okay, you know, we're cool for now. Don't need that anymore. And I said, okay. And then I, I decided I wanted to keep doing it because by doing that show for a couple of years, I had met lots of people and made lots of contacts. And I just was like, this is fun making a sports video game show. So then I just decided to, to sort of rebrand it and sort of self-publish it with the help of Operation Sports. And that became the Press Row Podcast. And now we're into like 200 and episode 264, 265 uh, happening this week. So. Yeah. That's that story, which well, is a long and winding road, too. And it's funny because, like, for me, like, I've been on the Press Row podcast, I don't know, five or six times. And I still remember the, the, first, the first time I was on. I can't remember what the topic was or the reason why I got asked. But I remember how nervous I was, like, the hour before that show. Because, I mean, I had listened to the Press Row podcast for, for literally for years um, you know, I, I've been a long, long, long time member of Operation Sports, like probably, I don't know, I would say probably a dozen years if I had to guess. So, I mean, I had listened to, you know, to the Press Row podcast a lot. I, I was a huge fan of, of Brian, Brian Weedye, Pasta Padre, for those of you who don't know who I'm referring to. I was a huge fan of his work and, and you know, the, the articles and stuff that he had written. And, and you guys have a have a very good chemistry at, on the press or podcast so for me to be on that i was really nervous and really honored because it's it's first of all it's one of the few long lasting sports centric video game podcasts it really is and traditionally sports video games just in whether it be podcasts or, or articles or whatever they've never been a popular long time thing I mean, outside of Operation Sports, it's hard to find a website that has dedicated itself to yeah. sports video games for as long as they have and has not either had to re completely restructure themselves or completely gone out of business. Yeah, well, there's only, you know, there's Brian with Pasta Padre mm -hmm. and there's Operation Sports and, you know, I don't know what else there is. I mean, there might be others. I don't know. I know there are others. Yeah. But there aren't there. They're not many, and 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 even the mainstream sites don't really have uh, significant resources dedicated to sports. And and you know what? I'm not even criticizing that. They they know what they're doing. They know what gets views. They have a business to run. Um, I frankly view that as a great opportunity for us, right? At Out of the Park Developments, right? Mm -hmm. with, with, because who better to tell our story than us? And yep. how better to to get to know people than just to be out there. Right. So I kind of view that as, as not even a bad thing. It's a good forcing function. Yeah. So let's transition into that. So you are in fact, the chief marketing officer of out of the park developments. And, yes, sir. And, 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 you know, I, for the record, you're not just on the show because you're my boss. I, <laughs> not your boss. First of all, that, that's true. That that's clear, true. Right. Boss is boss. I'm, I'm nobody's boss. No, right? we're a team. We're, we're, we're a we very well oiled machine team. Uh, so like what was the first, which was the first out of the park game that you worked on? Uh, the first one would be out of the park. 1817. So yes. So you're coming into a franchise that has had 16 versions of their baseball game. Yes, that's had, right. Had a mobile game. Was yes. I believe at the time working on a hockey game, or or the first FHM might have been out already. Oh no, it was the second one. Was second out one was out. So you come into this this company that has been around for a long time, had a very niche cult following. Um, of which I played, I think the first out of the park game I played was 11 or 10. So, so you come into that and, and, and with the goal of, okay, we need to make this game as, as big as possible. And I think we're still reaching for that goal every single day. So kind of what, what, what kind of mindset do you think made you a fantastic candidate to try and to try and market this game to a wider range of people. 
Well, I don't know what makes me a fantastic candidate, but what I did see was an opportunity to do something new and exciting. And the best thing about it is that out-of-the-park baseball is the best game of its kind. So when you have the opportunity to represent somebody who is the best at what they do, you know, that's not, you, you don't get a lot, a lot of those don't, they don't come around that much. So that then and there was intriguing. And then I was, you know, just it, as we talk about, right? Like to me, it's about how do you in 2018 now, you know, and obviously 2016 when I took the reins, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's the way that people like to learn about games and discover games and interact with, with people. It's different than it used to be a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, when I first started talking with Marcus and Andreas, the guys who run out of the park developments, I said, look, here's what I think about the lay of the land. And here's why it's different than it has been. And it's why it's going to keep changing more quickly instead of slowly as we move forward. And here's how, you know, if you hire me, here's what I'm going to do. And here's how I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, it was an interesting set of conversations that I had with those guys. And I said, you know, look, not only it's, it's not really about me, it's about a team. Because one of the great things, Chris, is that over the course of the 10 plus years of writing about sports video games and then making podcasts about them, I've connected with so many people. Yeah. And there were people that I had met on that journey that I said, you know what, I can't do this on my own. But I know some people who will doing it with me, we can make something special happen. Right. And that's the coolest thing about it is that this organization that I put together is made up of people that I know and that I trust and that come from a long line of being good to each other. And I'm I'm happy every minute that we get to do the amazing things that we get to do. Chris, did you know that we are hosting a party next to Fenway Park on Friday night and we're doing delivering a panel at PAX East on Sunday? Like, that's pretty amazing <laughs> that we get to do that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, I would be lying if I said I was not aware. I, I, I do believe that I am I am aware that we are having a party on Friday next to Fenway Park, which I think is ludicrous and hilarious and going to be a great time. And with some fantastic people that I'm looking forward to meeting in person, not only people such as yourself and TJ and, and the other special guests, but getting out there and meeting people who play the game. I mean, if you would have asked me five months ago and said, hey, Chris, do you think you're going to be going to PAX in April and having a party across from Family Park and talking about out of the park baseball? I told you you were crazy, like absolutely just out of this world crazy. And but it's funny because, you know, even in the short time that I've been part of it, the landscape continues to change how people ingest content. It's, it's always like even you, you can look back to what you did in December and you can try to do that same thing now and it doesn't have that same appeal because the way people ingest their content is evolving at such a rapid rate. It seems like every other week, Twitch is introducing some sort of different change that not fundamentally changes the way, but will take certain segments of their market and change the way that they ingest their content. You know, we, we talked a lot about the new uh, like premieres and stuff like that and how we took advantage of that for releasing the, uh, the official trailer for the game. And it went way beyond any expectations that we had. I would, you know, comfortably say that. So like, it's, it, it's kind of funny for me. And I, and I think you probably feel the same way that it's just, you always have to be open-minded to what is going on in the industry. And you're not always going to be right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to be right. Sometimes yeah. you're going to be wrong. Um, but you have to, you have to have a plan and you have to execute to the plan. You can't just wing it, especially in what we do, because we have a lot of different people that we have to, uh, be responsible to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having a plan to me has been the best part about it because, you know, we have our plan in place and we, everybody knows what their expectations are, what they have to do and how they have to do them. And you guys all succeed beautifully at it, right? I think that's the best part about having the plane is when you know what you're doing and you're good at it, you yeah. just roll with it. And we've seen the, the power of it build. I mean, the numbers that you guys have been able to deliver, you know, you've increased your 
live streaming numbers, you know, you're moving to a new night, you know, you're building a, we're building a, you know, multi-night, you know, entertainment network now, you know, on out of the park developments. It's pretty amazing. That's right. By the way, guys, in case you forgot out of the park streams tomorrow night, Monday night, our brand new night, 8 30 PM Eastern time out of the park baseball over at twitch.tv slash OTP developments. Make sure you hit us over there. I'll be on at 8 30 TJ be on at 9 30. It's going to be awesome. Monday night baseball on out of the park developments. And it's like, for me, it's like, I come into it with the, with the content creators perspective. And it's funny because like what I do for my Snaggle J brand, and and you know what, it is a brand. It's an extension of myself. And what I do for out of the park, which is a much different brand. It's not that dissimilar. Because it's it's a lot of concepts for content creation for a yourself and for a business. There are a lot of parallels there. You know, it's with our out of the park stuff, TJ and I are always trying to think of things that, you know, make make it original and make it differentiated and and ways that we can, you know, appeal to a wider range of pe- a wider range of people just by saying, Hey, what if we did this one little thing differently? And immediately we pull in five new viewers well if you do that every week you know that's probably a really good thing i would hope absolutely so and i mean i know i know the majority of this story but where did you get the idea that you wanted to go to boston and go to pax and do a panel for those people in the chat that don't know and if you're watching this on youtube or twitch afterwards we are doing a panel sunday uh, at PAX, 12 p.m. Eastern, at the Arachnid Theater. It is called So You Want to Market an Indie Game. Uh, and Rich and I are going to be on it, along with some other wonderful people. Um, where did where did you get the idea that this was something that you wanted to pursue a, as a great idea? Well, I've done a few panels before at PAX East. Uh, we haven't gone as out of the park, haven't? But before that, I did a couple of press rows live there. And, uh, you know, we had, it was always fun. Um, so, you know, I had sort of at least had a couple of successful pitches and acceptances there. And I just thought this year it'd be an opportunity for us to sort of get our, our name out there in a new and different way. Um, again, without a tremendous expense, I mean, out of the park, our, our annual marketing budget is, is pretty small. You know, it's probably, you know, the, the big guys spend in, in a day more than we spend in a year, probably. So, you know, we have to be creative with this stuff, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I tried, uh, coming up with a broader idea, which is, uh, you know, sometimes a good thing and sometimes not that broad idea was, Hey, you know, we market indie indie games. Well, we market indie sports games. But they're still indie games, not just indie sports games. We've learned a lot over the last two and a half years. Let's uh, let's tell people what we've learned, and you know, people who are in the world of indie games, uh, maybe give them some some tips and some some help and some do's and some don'ts. So, I wrote up a pitch. I asked a few people if they'd participate, um, and they said yes. And then Paxi said yes, and here we are. Then they they assign you the date and the time. And so then, uh, you know, we had always been sort of toying with the idea of a meet and greet and um, had uh, had not done it as an organization. But, you know, TJ and I had been pitching, you know, or kicking around the idea of doing, you know, a meet and greet at PAX East. And, and so once the panel got accepted, then, you know, it became, OK, well, let's see if we can make the meet and greet happen and let's keep it small to friends and family. And, and that came together and you've obviously been a huge part of helping with that. So, you know, that's, that's the story, you know, you just, you, you, you sort of look back what you've done and if you haven't done before, give it a go. And, uh, if, if you have before, maybe try to use some of the connections that you've made before to try to make things happen. And that's how this year's PAX East came to be. Well, and it's a, I think it's a very fantastic topic in general because um, especially especially in the content creation community, indie games, I feel, have never been bigger than they are right now. Um, I mean, you still have a market that's dominated by gigantic AAA titles in both sports and non-sports. But when it comes to the, the Twitch and the YouTube streaming side of things, 
creators are always looking for that game that nobody else is playing that they can have fun with. And I think that's really boosted indie games to to like a different level than where they were, say, two years ago. So I think for like it's a fantastic like the concept of the panel, and, and I think it's going to be great. I mean, I'm uh, beyond excited. I'm upset that I still have to sleep four times before I get to go. I wish it was Wednesday and not Sunday, but that's I haven't perfected my DeLorean just yet, so I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> but uh, you know, what? It, like I said, it's I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, so just before we switch off of the the out of the park stuff and into something else. Uh, we have a question from the chat. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, that's the real question. Adam's wondering why Adam is not on the panel. Well, Adam should be your next guest because, uh, you know, he's got, uh, he, he's, he's created the whole franchise hockey that's manager right. Twitch, uh, presence on his own and, and, you know, gotten Jeff to participate with him, but he's got a great story on his own. Yeah. It's amazing that, uh, I learned so much. I, I try to dabble in franchise hockey manager. I'm Canadian, okay? I don't think that's a secret to anybody that I'm Canadian. I try to dabble in, in franchise hockey manager as much as I can. And I learned so much from watching Adam and Jeff play that game. It, they're, they're so informative and knowledgeable about the game. It's, uh, it's amazing. We'll definitely have Adam on Snaggle Rock as a guest. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Adam, that's, that, you're, 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 you're booked. You're on the hook now. So, ideally, Out of the Park 20 is 11 months, three weeks away. I think we're all looking forward to Out of the Park 20. Do you have long-term goals about, about where you'd like to see you know, the, the franchise go and, and, and how we can be a part of that? Yes. I'm not going to share them with everybody, but well, yes, fine. I do. That's fine. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, half kidding, half joking. I yeah. absolutely have long-term goals that involve significant growth mm-hmm. in in opportunities for everybody. Um, you know, I would love to be able to take what we do and multiply it times twenty-five. That's that's my personal goal. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm shooting for because if that's happening, then we're all successful and influential. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, one of the other things that I love about what we do is we have the opportunity to be influential in a positive way. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I want everything to get bigger. I want us to make more games. I want all of those games to have the high quality of out of the park, you know, and which is recognized as an industry leader, you know, and if you, and if you have at your core high quality, I think you can do things that others can't. And, uh, you know, I can't take any credit for the quality of the game because I don't make it. But I can certainly, you know, tell you that 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 is a crucial factor in anything. So I I want this to get much bigger Um, and and bigger can be a a lot of different ways. You know, it doesn't have to be units sold. It doesn't have to be revenue. You know, just make the community bigger, get more and more people exposed to it. Who, and not just the baseball game, but the hockey game and, and, and you know, are the upcoming titles that, you know, we'll, we'll you know, be able to talk more about as they get yeah. clear. So, yeah, I want it to get huge, um, but it, it'll take a lot of work to make yeah. that happen. A yeah, lot of work. the next 12 months are going to be an amazing ride, I think, for us and for Out of the Park Developments. I think it's going to be you know, a, a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. Um, you know, there are a lot, a lot of ventures out there that are, are, you know, in the works and and things, you know, like a lot of people are getting not antsy, but a lot of people are excited for, you know, our next big thing, which is perfect team, which, you know, the guys are still working on. And, and and I think that, you know, just jumps into so many other things. I think it's going to be the next 12 months for us is going to be a a lot of fun and, uh, and yeah, a, a lot of work at the same time. But when work is fun, it's not really work, right? Isn't that yeah. the, uh, the old saying goes? Absolutely. Everything that I do, I love. I love. You know, I, I there's nothing that I do professionally that I don't love. And, you know, I can't always say that, but that's certainly the case now. Yep. Um, you know, I'm really blessed in that regard. So, yep. I, yeah, I absolutely do it because I love it. And, you know, I, I told Marcus when we first started working together, you know, I view what we do as a complete partnership. 
and you know i'm i'm not out to sort of extract short-term value in exchange for long-term right like now we're we're on the third year of our relationship working together i like to think that he knows that we have his best interests in heart i believe that he has our best interests in heart so you know that that's a big part of it too yeah and uh that's why i think that that we have such a great chance to do even more good stuff yep so to summarize come to pax sunday 12 p.m come see our panel it's going to be it's going to be fantastic i'm predicting probably a solid nine out of 10 on whatever review software they use. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be at least a nine, probably a 9.5, but we'll see. Uh, so if you're going to be at PAX, come to the Iraqi theater Sunday, 12 o'clock and check out our panel. So you want to market an indie game. It's going to be great. Uh, okay. Yeah. So- let me before, oh. I'm sorry, real quick. I just want to make sure we also know that there's a couple other folks, uh, yeah. John VF St. Anger, who is, you know, starting a indie, you know, consulting company yep. or a group that is going to be uh, working with indies is going to be on the panel. She is married to to Greg Miller, Game Over Greggy, right? So great perspective from her standpoint. And we've also got um, Mike Futter, uh, who for years wrote news for, I think it was uh, Game Informer. Um, but he wrote news you know, for m- many years for, for a bunch of publications and has been working with Bithel Games and has a new book out called the game biz dev handbook. So they're going to have a lot of great stuff too. So that that's really, and it's not just you and me up there. I think we got something interesting to say, but it's also a couple other perspectives that are going to make it really cool. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very well-rounded, I think we all have the kind of like, we all come from something a little different. Like I said, I I really do mean it when I think it's going to be a nine out of 10 panel. I really think it's going to be very informative uh, and I think it's going to be good. And we're definitely going to be uh, recording it, and it's definitely going to be on our YouTube channel when we get it done, and we're going to yeah. have it up there so everybody will be able to check it out if you're not able to make it to Boston. Not everybody lives in the greater Massachusetts area, I am well aware. Um, so let's shift gears for a minute, and let's talk about MLB The Show. MLB The Show yeah. has been out for uh, nine days since the early release. First pitch weekend came out. Uh, have you been playing much of the game? What modes have you been playing and how are you liking the game so far? I've been playing it regularly. I have probably, I play only franchise and I play franchise and I pick the Mets this year. And the way that I play franchise is I just start the season, skip right to spring training, go right to the first game. I player lock with uh, a player, an offensive player, usually Yohannes Espedes for at least the first three at bats and sometimes the first four. And then by either the third or fourth at bat, I unlock it and play out the rest of the game, no matter sort of what the situation, whether it's tied, whether I'm up three, down five, whatever. I mean, sometimes if it's completely out of hand one way or the other, like 14 to two or something, I'll move ahead to the next game. But that's sort of how I play. And it's sort of become this amazingly wonderful way to experience. I feel like I'm having complete, you know, agency over the game, yet I'm not having to spend every single inning. So I just love doing that. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably at the end of the month end of my first month with the Mets and they're doing okay, you know, like three or four games above 500 and I'm really enjoying it. I don't have any complaints. I know there's a lot of complaints that other people have with it, but I'm not going to pretend to have complaints. I don't have the way that I'm playing the game. I have no issue with it. I mean, I think the hitting's a little easier and I'm, I know I'm still on a relative, I mean, I'm on the dynamic uh, difficulty, so I'm at a relatively low it's whatever it, it's low. It, it's not rookie or rookie plus, but I don't think it's 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 whatever's higher than rookie plus. I don't know what it is. Veteran, maybe, whatever it is. It's yeah. it's it's that veteran. So, I think is the next step. You know, I don't feel as helpless hitting as I have in the last couple of years. Pitching and fielding, I'm perfectly fine. I have no problems with. I'm I'm confident. I don't make stupid you know mistakes. I'm pretty you know most of the time I do okay with base running too. Yep. You know, occasionally I'll screw it up, but. More often than not, I'll properly tag up, you know what I mean, and I'll do all that stuff right. Yeah. It looks amazing. I got a PS4 Pro and a 4K TV, so I got, like, a really beautiful setup, so that helps, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, like it I've sure got, does. I'm, I'm driving the, the best version of the best game. So I love it, man. I'm just having a great time with it. Um, so for me, I've been spending most of my time in Diamond Dynasty. Um, now, today, even though today is the Easter Sunday holiday, uh, today is also a different holiday for franchise people, uh, as I have just been informed 
that the Operation Sports full miners rosters are about to be loaded into the vault. Yeah, and so this is a problem for me because I'm a month committed to my team, and now yeah. I'm like, well, wait a second, hold on, I I got to start over, which is not the worst thing in the world, no. but on the other hand, I'm starting over. It's funny because I used to be a massive OSFM guy. I would not start a franchise until I had the full miners, and that was mostly because I always picked the Jays. And in 2012 to 2014, they were pretty terrible. So the only thing we had to look forward to were some of these young guys that we had in the minors that if I'm going to wait, if I'm going to edit those guys myself, I might as well just wait for the full roster set. Um, And then I kind of got away from that for a few years. I kind of liked the idea of not having a clue who was in the minor leagues and, you know, being, having to scout and having to, you know, dig deep in other teams systems and now i've kind of flipped back where because they get osfm out so quickly i mean again we're only five days or six days after the regular retail release of the game but also like the trenton thunder you know our our double a partner and and my local team the double a team of the yankees they haven't started their season yet they're still three or four days away i think from starting the season so i don't know how accurate these rosters can be because a lot changes as i've learned in the minor leagues a lot changes very last minute yeah i think yeah and and that is true i mean the the minor league the depths of them might not be that accurate but the these guys do an amazing job with the player oh, yeah, the yeah, player yeah. creation yeah is, don't get me wrong yeah i do yeah don't take and, that the wrong and, way and that's my thing is so i've kind of followed the same pattern i did last year i jump into diamond dynasty for a few weeks and mess around and i do conquests and i do some things um my impressions of the game are a lot better than the average bear on Twitter. Um, I have not seen the prevalent issues that everyone seems to be talking about. Um, I haven't had a bunch of defensive miscues. Um, I mean, if you put someone with 50 fielding at first base, he's going to miss a few grounders. I mean, that just seems like common sense to me. Um, I do feel the hitting is a little more forgiving than it has been. Um, my only real huge gripe in Diamond Dynasty, and I don't know if this happens much in franchise, uh, and maybe you can speak to that, is there's still that Bermuda Triangle in front of home plate where if you cue ball something out in front of home plate, guys with 50 speed are beating that out a little more regularly uh, than I would like. Yeah, I I can't say that I've experienced that much, but again, I've I've played more at bats than you know offensive at bats than I have. Well, that's not true. Than ending, I was gonna say innings of play. I haven't really noticed that, but you know, I don't. I strike out a lot, so that's probably the biggest factor is that I make contact less than I would like to. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been struggling. I've been, I've been struggling at the dish. Um, I had I streamed a little bit of it last night, and it was a just a heinous batting effort. On now, are, part. are you on dynamic difficulty? Do you have it? No, set I, on play like on, Hall of I play Fame? on. I play on. I play on All Star. Oh, uh, why do you do that to yourself, man? Uh, Jeez, I, I don't know. I, I, my problem is so like my franchise last year. Um, I did a create a player franchise with uh, channel viewers that we streamed exclusively on Twitch. And um, I played All-Star for the majority of the season and then bumped it up to Hall of Fame uh, hitting and All-Star pitching. Um, and that's kind of where I sit. I usually stick in the All-Star realm until I find if, – if, if I find it getting too easy, then obviously I'll bump it up. Uh, maybe dynamic is, it would be the way to go, and maybe I could have spent you know this first week of the game getting my dynamic difficulty adjusted, but I haven't. Um, but I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited now that the roster is out. Now I can get to my Rockies franchise. For those of you who missed the announcement last week, we're going to be doing a Rockies franchise on stream. It's going to be great. Uh, we're immediately trading. Every- no, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, but but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like a lot of people, and I know you're a big franchise guy. Um, do you share the same level of disappointment as other people that MLB The Show 18 really didn't get much love in the franchise department in terms of updates? Nope. I'm perfectly happy with it. And and I'm not suggesting that 
Uh, I'm saying there's a lot of good changes. I'm saying I'm perfectly happy with it. The way that I play the game, it's more than enough. More than enough. Because I just love to be on the field and play the game and play my 162-game season, hopefully make the playoffs and win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll play part of a second year, and, and most of the times I won't. Yeah. You know, I, And I'm not saying this because I work for Out of the Park. You know, I, no. I play Out of the Park for all of that stuff. I just play the show for the game. And, yeah. and I'm, it's not a criticism or a complaint. It's just how I play it because the game is so beautiful. I mean, I love it. So, yeah, yeah I, have, I, I, I have no complaints with it. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that other people shouldn't have complaints. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm just saying I personally, it's fine. But it's been fine for years because how I play the game. Once they introduced player lock, yeah, that really completely just made the game a million percent more – open to me as far as how much I'm going to play it. Because just playing nine inning games for a 162-game season is just yeah. so... I've done it before, but only a couple of times at the most. Yeah. And so uh, being able to p- take two or three out, you know, in a single treadmill session of 45 minutes, you know, that really, over the course of three or four months, you know, you just get into that beautiful zone, and, and it's a great thing. So that's really... You know, that was once they did that, then I'm like, good, I'm good. Just, you know, let me have the ability to to play a season, maybe make a couple trades here and there for fun, but just mostly just get on the field and pitch and hit and throw. Yeah. So my, I'm cool. My, my biggest complaint before 17 was please give me more ways to progress through my season because I'm a play every sixth game kind of guy. I go through, you know, I pitch my number one starter and then my number two starter and I, and I go through that way and, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Uh, and I loved the additions of quick manage and critical situations because I feel like I'm not missing out if I simulate a game. Because if something exciting happens, I could jump into the game. Or if I'm playing a four-game set against the Yankees and I'm the Blue Jays and I'm you know three games up, uh, I could quick manage those games. And if it gets dicey or interesting, I could jump in. Like it, That was a huge development for me giving us more options uh, and well, yeah oh go ahead well i was gonna say the thing that i've had to do is just i've had to tell myself it's okay to play differently mm-hmm. like i don't have to play every inning of every game yep. for it to count yep. like i'm allowed to just do whatever i want to want a player lock for three three or four bats want to player lock a whole game want to skip a week you want to you know whatever and, and similar with nba 2k i've only recently just you know i i while I don't pay much attention to stats, the basic stats sort of need to function for me to be happy. And playing NBA 2K, if you play on like the, you know, the the four six minute quarters to get a whole game in in a reasonable amount of time, your players just don't score the points. And if you're playing a season, your you know your guys' points and rebounds per game are way off everybody else's. So I sort of you know my buddy Pete Dodd told me he's like, hey, you know, I saw a suggestion to like. You know, set it to 12 minute quarters and then just send to midway through the third quarter of every game. Right. And then play from that to the end. You'll have you'll be able to play the game in the same amount of time as a normal game would. But your numbers will be right. And what I found is just putting me into those interesting situations, whether I'm up, down or 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 tied. It's almost more fun than just starting and playing a complete game every night. So I've just uh, overall the realization for myself that it's okay to play these differently and sort of get over that has really been a lot of fun because now i sort of do that in almost all i mean nhl i play all the games and fifa i play all the games that's because you can bang out a game in 15 minutes right so it's like perfect so um yeah yeah, that that's the biggest thing is like just sort of (laughs) getting over myself and like yeah you can play differently it's fine you're having fun who cares and that's (laughs) i worry about it and i'm glad you 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 mentioned nhl because i mean I'm i'm a huge fan of nhl i feel like NHL's franchise mode right now is probably the most underrated in all of sports games. Um, it is really deep and I really like the, you know, the expansion mode introduction, but my biggest thing is I, I, I hate cause I can't play every game. I don't have that kind of time. I wish I did, but I don't. And I hate simulating games because if I simulate a game and my top player gets hurt and they're out for the season or whatever, you know, like I just it drives me nuts. So like if I'm doing it for the front office aspect, I'm just gonna play franchise hockey manager. Right. Because that has all the front office stuff I want to do and way more. 
way more, exponentially more. And, you know, I could quick sim a game in like three minutes and still have a, a little modicum of control. Yep. So like that, that's where the juggle comes from for franchise gamers is, is it's like, eh, you know, when do I play? When do I sim? And I feel like MLB The Show is one of the few games for me where I feel like they have a good kind of steps to go through and enjoy games in different ways. Um, okay. Now we're on to the fun part of the show, Rich. Um, oh, hang on. One second. Uh, mm -hmm. And we do that. Perfect. Um, so we did this last week, and we're going to do it this week. I have put together, Rich, what I like to call the Canadian citizenship test. I'm excited and scared. It is a combination of uh, factual questions. And a combination of opinion questions that I have personally hand selected, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a chance to go through them and see how you do. Are you Are you excited? I am. And are you Very much. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, we'll start off with an easy one. Who is your favorite all-time Toronto Blue Jay? Hmm. Wow. Um, Hard ones. I, when I, when I, I mean, there's easy ones, but I don't want to go to these. I'm trying to think like when I, I mean, Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez. Would have to be, would have to be my answer. Cause he was really a special player uh, when he was with that team. And I, I just remember him. He stands out. Uh, Cause remember I go back away. So that, I know that goes back away. but that, that would be my, uh, that would be my first one. Tony for now. Okay, okay, okay. How many provinces are in Canada? Eleven. That is incorrect. Okay. Can I name them? You can go ahead. Yeah, sure. Will this help? Okay. So you got Nova Scotia. You got Quebec. You've got Ontario. You've got Saskatchewan. You got Winnipeg. You got Manitoba. You got British Columbia. You got none of it. Um, okay, I'm Winnipeg, not a province. Did I say Winnipeg? Winnipeg is a city, and and Manitoba. And yeah, you said you did say Manitoba. Oh, but you also Alberta. said you said Winnipeg, and then Manitoba. Sorry, Sorry about that. I was thinking Winnipeg <laughs> is in Manitoba, and none of Alberta's it, one. None Alberta's of it, one. not a province. What? It's a territory, different altogether. Okay, fair. Okay, uh, Alberta. Alberta. That's another yeah. one. Yep. Did I name them all? Uh, There's probably did, one or two. Did, I missed. did you say New Brunswick? I did not. That is where I live. That's <laughs> so, right. So the answer, the correct answer is 10. Okay. Well, I was off by not one. Bad. That's not bad. By the way, to, for the record, uh, my first guest also said 11. So I don't know what it is about down there, but everyone thinks there's 11 provinces. That's what we're going with. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of Canada. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm glad you're a fan of Canada. Uh, so the correct answers was uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, Prince Edward uh -huh. Island, Nova Scotia, uh -huh. New Brunswick, Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, British Columbia. Okay. Yeah. In case anyone ever asks you again. In case Jean Viev asks you at the uh, at PAX. It's 10. Now you know. 10. Got it. Okay. Um, how many NHL teams are from Canada? Oh. Um, gee. Big hockey I mean, guy, Rich. Don't let me down. Yeah. I got Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Um, uh, Winnipeg, the province of Winnipeg, of course, um, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. I think that's it. I think seven, seven is correct. All right. All right. Favorite. Now I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but favorite all time Montreal expo. See, I, the Expos were a thorn in the Mets side their entire existence. I didn't have a good relationship with the Expos until they were no more. <laughs> I mean, you got to understand this, right? Because when the yeah. Mets were starting to get good in the, you know, 84, 85 era, the, the Expos were also in their division and yeah. were a rival. 
So, I mean, the easy answer is Gary Carter, because I did like him before he came to the Mets. And when he came to the Mets, it was a big deal. So, you know, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Gary Carter. Gary Carter. I like it. Gary Carter's good. My personal one is, is uh, I'm a big Tim Raines guy. I love, I love Tim Raines. I thought maybe being a Mets guy that you might have mentioned uh, Randy Staub. You mean Rusty Staub? Rusty Staub. LeGrand, LeGrand Orange, yes. who passed uh, who, away. Yeah, unfortunately passed away this past Thursday. Week. Yeah. Yeah, Big, I uh, love Rusty. He was a he was a very influential uh, guy to to watch as a uh, as a young baseball fan. He was a real. I'm really glad the Mets had him when they did. It's funny. He's one of those guys. He's such an influential guy in Mets history and yes. and in Expos yeah. history. Like, they retired his number. Yeah, it's kind of you, you don't really see those kind of guys who are, are are at that level within within multiple franchises. Multiple. Yeah, you're right. You're totally yeah, right. He's he may not have been like ridiculously successful in Montreal, but he was the heart and soul of that team for, for years. Well, he made several all-star teams, like, you know, several, like three or four years in a row. So, I mean, he, he had some definite level of success with a team that I don't think on the field won anything when he was there because they were brand new. Yeah. Yeah. He was the, he was the early day leader of that team and will, you know, forever be known um as le grand orange i love them yeah yeah the great rusty stop and it was nice it's been nice to see the mets hanging his jersey up in the dugout um i've i've watched the mets game yeah uh, yesterday and i saw a little bit of it today and they had his jersey up which was really nice i've seen that um can you name three canadian prime ministers Oh, let's see. The f- current guy is Trudeau, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. Oh, boy. You know, that's interesting. I could probably name them whenever they're in office. <laughs> but Funny. I can't remember any of them that are not in office. Funny how that um, works. There was probably another Trudeau, right? So there's two there was, Trudeaus. There was two yeah. Trudeaus. So that yep. counts as two. That does count okay. as two. Trudeau, um, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau was also prime minister. And isn't he like either the father or the uncle of the current Trudeau or no? What's that? Sorry? Isn't he related to the current he's, he's, Trudeau? He's his father. Yeah. Father, right. Okay. That's what yeah. I said. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I can't. I mean, you could probably rattle off Nate. You know, if you do a true or false and give me the last three, right? If you like, yes. you know, make up some names and put in the real ones, I could probably pick out the real ones, but I can't name them. I would just start naming bad or like right. great Canadian actors, like yeah. if, like Wayne Gretzky, who wasn't an actor, but John Candy, you know, all those guys. Pinball Clemens, who I'd be okay if Pinball Clemens was prime minister, by the way. One of the greatest CFLers of all time. There you go. We're going to chalk that one up as an L, Rich. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. We got, we got a couple, couple of more real good ones here, though. Good. Let's hear them. Real, real good ones. Um, what is the national animal of Canada? That's got to be the moose, right? No. It's, it's the beaver. Okay. Beaver. And last but not least, now, I know you're a big musical guy. Uh-huh. Right? Favorite all-time Canadian musical oh, act. Oh, there's some good ones. If you if you ha- if I said you could have one ticket front Oof. row to anybody, any act, any group, any singer, artist from Canada, who are you going to see? Well, there's some good ones. Um, it's I'm going to throw. Can I? Can I get a? Um... Can I can I can I have a uh, honorable mention? I'll tell you I'll tell you what I'll let you do a three artist uh, show. So this is going to sound on the left field to most people. I love Big Wreck. Oh, I don't know if you're Big a Big Wreck fan. Big Wreck's real. I love Big Wreck. Love Big Wreck. Yeah, and I know they're Canadian, so they're not you know my number one, but but they are they're on the list. I would want to see them. Oh man. Um, I mean, you got you got Rush, you got Bare Naked Ladies. Rush, I love Rush. Bare Naked Ladies got, got together got uh, last Triumph. weekend. Bare Naked oh, Ladies, the, really? Back, back together as the gr- entire group with Stephen Page. Oh boy, uh, that's I think good. it was. I think it was at the Juno Awards. It was like a one night only sort of thing. It was really good. Okay, they played. I if I had a million dollars, it was fantastic. I mean, 
Rush is on the list. I love so, Rush. I, mean, I, I can't help it. I'm not the world's biggest Rush fan, but, you know, come on. They're Rush. They're great. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because, I mean, the stream is delayed like 10 seconds, and I see yeah. in the chat, when he doesn't say Rush, we riot. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rush, is, Rush is definitely in my three, um, yeah. for sure. I mean, if I, was a, if I was a cool kid, I would say Arcade Fire. And I do like Arcade Fire. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not like... They're not my, my, I'm not a big fan. Um, Hmm. I know there's a couple others that I'm, that I'm probably forgetting. You know, I my you know, my third one is and they're new, but I love her, um, uh, is metric metrics really good. Um, metric is metric is so good. I love those guys. Is, so that's my three. So, so, so if so, I had so to pick metric, one, yeah. Um, Rush, Rush, and Big Wreck, and Big Wreck. That's a that's a pretty good show. Yeah. Oh, that's a good show. If I had to pick one, I've seen Rush. Okay, so if I had to pick one right now, it would be Metric because I've never seen Metric. I have seen Rush in concert already. Nice. That'd be tough. For me, I'm not disappointed that you didn't say the hip, tragically hip, but yeah, I'm not a fan. They don't. You know what? And 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 you know what? It, It is a common thing that the tragically hip do not are not well appreciated outside of Canada. Well, I mean, like basically when Gord Downey passed away, it was yeah. like a national holiday up here. Right. Right. Like, but, and you know what, whatever it is about their career, it just does not transcend well to the U S I do remember when I, they first came out, mm-hmm. I remember listening to them thinking their name, the band name is my favorite band name ever. Yeah. Love the name Tragically Hip. It's so great on so many levels. And I remember just not liking the music very much. I mean, you know, it's not like I've given it a shot anytime recently. Right. Um, so it's, you know, they're, you know, it's funny, complete aside. You know, the band Spoon? Yep. Love Spoon. Absolutely love Spoon. I didn't hardly, I don't think I knew five of their songs up until like two months ago. I've just been, Listening to Spoon's incredibly huge catalog, you know, thanks to the internet we live in now where you can do that, you know, and just, I mean, every album that Spoon has is great. And we're going back to like the late 90s and there's like 10 of them. Mm -hmm. I could totally see that same thing happening to me with a band like, you know, the Tragically Hip. Um, Because, you know, similar to the Replacements, right? I'm not the Replacements, excuse me, the Decemberists, right? You know, the same thing sort of happened to me. You know, you can just sort of find yourself sort of getting into these bands that are a little bit different, a little left of center, you know, a little, we got, you know, some stories to tell or a different angle. And that's what I'm pretty sure the tragically hip is. So I probably owe it to myself to go to give them another, another shot. Cause I certainly haven't in any recent time. So for, for the record, if I was, my three would be, uh, the Arkells tragically hip rush. And then I'm going to a after party where, uh, Sloan is playing wicked Atlantic Canadian, long time uh band been around since you know pretty much for most of my formative life i think they're oh. since the early 90s no if i'm going to an after party len is playing len yeah aren't wow. they canadian wow no i just that 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 len that caught me right out of nowhere that song steal, steal my, my sunshine, sunshine <laughs> is the best party song in the history of party songs what? dude love that song i'm not even like i'm i'm not i'm not mad i'm not mad that just that totally just caught me by surprise <laughs> like literally that anyone would remember who len is i know who len is that i song I, is I, I grew great. up i had to listen to that song every day at work <laughs> like three straight summers because we couldn't get any <laughs> cds but that's not that's neither here nor there um rich do you have any any final words of wisdom and and make sure you pimped all the people out there what you're doing where people can find you on the internet if you want to be found of course. Well, I want them to find you. I want them to find TJ. I want them to watch you guys stream because that's what you guys do. That's what we're we're trying to build out of the park developments into, you know, this huge global network that people go to to watch you guys do interesting things. So that's what I want people to go watch and uh and participate in because what we're building i think is special and i don't think anybody else is doing it quite like the way that we're doing it so i'm excited about what we got coming up it's gonna be great i i agree 100 percent. the places rich is referring to twitch.tv slash otp developments go give us a follow there 
Remember, new night for Out of the Park Baseball, Monday nights, uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 4.30, no, 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time. I only mentioned Pacific because I saw Coop was in the chat. And he would growl me if I ignored his coast of the country. Um, so make sure you go follow us over there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Baseball, facebook.com slash Baseball. Lots of cool, good stuff. And, hey, remember, PAX. PAX is five days away. It's going to be wicked. We're doing the meetup on Friday at Beerworks Number 1 across from Fenway Park. And then Sunday we're doing the panel uh, with TJ, myself, uh, Mike, and Jean-Vievre. It's going to be wicked. Um, I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, and if you see me, if you see me wandering the show floor in my Snaggle Club shirt, just come up and say hi. Hit me with a too sweet. We'll talk about baseball. We'll talk about Rush or Tragically Hip, or whatever you want to talk about. So if you see me at PAX, please, please come up to me and, uh, and, and, and say hi. Please do. Rich Grisham, Chief Marketing Officer of Out of the Park Developments, thank you so much uh, for coming on the program. I appreciate that you were able to dedicate some time on what I'm sure is a very busy Easter Sunday with your family. Um, so I, I appreciate you taking the time out to be on the show. You got it, man. It was a blast. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it.